Ladies and gentlemen, before we begin today's episode, we'd like to take a moment to acknowledge the passing of an icon. This is the last episode of our favorite character, the roly-poly public official, the man with an accent that can only be described as Tea Kettle Sean Connery, the living balloon animal, Hamtaro Mussolini, the mayor from Powerpuff Girls except fat and belligerent, a man who managed to run a city despite having no knees and no elbows. The one, the only, the mayor. I'm afraid that following today's episode, the actor Dick Elliott passed away. He died of a heart condition, taking our tubby little man with him. The mayor is survived by his wife, who he hated, and his daughters, who he honestly seemed ambivalent towards. Some may say that it doesn't make sense to mourn a man who died well before we were born. And I say to those people, it does when they're Winnie the Pooh in a stupid fucking hat. Listeners, today heaven got another loud, fat white man. Godspeed, Maya Pike, wherever you are. Another episode of Breaking Mayberry, playing the banjo while Rome burns. I am one of your hosts. I am Marty Schneider. I'm the guy who talks second, Dan Ludwig. Yeah, I feel like you've. I don't want to say that you're in a sidekick role. It's just that you talk second. I I'm the second chair. I, I'm. I think I'm not really the the Ed McMahon. I don't know what it is. I'm in the passenger seat, definitely. I'm gonna get a little little bumper sticker that says Dan is my co-pilot. Oh, yeah, no, I think co-pilot, because you have to, basically, you just have to do all the hard work and have the radio voice, and I just get to, like, kind of talk shit whenever I feel like it. So, really, I just have, like, the cushy role of this relationship. You're the pillow princess of our relationship. I don't know what a pillow princess is, and it sounds disgusting. It, It sounds like something that you pay a monthly fee to watch online. Listeners, you can send your definitions of pillow princess in your urban dictionary entries to dan on twitter <laughs> at the luds yeah fuck it <laughs> god yeah sure i'm doing anything better with my time we've got we're trying to get two episodes in today we've just got so much stuff to go over right now i want to launch into it but before i do i want to talk about a couple of episodes ago you may have heard us refer to the actor doodles weaver we called the episode Doodles Mosey's in because we were so 
tickled by the idea that there was an actor named Doodles Weaver. We didn't really get past Doodles Weaver. We just kind of yelled Doodles over and over again and then called him a dick because it was fun to call somebody named Doodles a dick. His full name is Winstead Sheffield Glendening Dixon Doodles Weaver. He was just a small, it's fair, It's not fair to call him a character actor, but he was just an actor who had little bit parts. But Doodles, I think, as you're about to describe, has had the weirdest, most tragic life. Right. Yeah, we felt a little bad making fun of Doodles' death because it turned out that he actually committed suicide in 1983. Mm-hmm. Uh, and before that, he actually wrote his memoirs. His memoirs were entitled Golden Spike, and they were completed. They were supposed to be released in 1982. But the release date was pushed back because Weaver was already in in poor health. So he commits suicide a month before those memoirs were supposed to be released. Mm -hmm. And that means the project was put on hold indefinitely. And right now it's a mystery to where this book entitled Golden Spike, for some reason, we have no idea where it is now. We have no idea why it has never been released. And so the way that Dan and I know about this... (laughs) <laughs> is because a Twitter account, at Doodles Weaver, basically liked a couple of tweets about Doodles Weaver that were also about our episode. So we found that in our notifications. We stumbled across this Facebook fan page, which seems to be the only source of fans that are trying to push for Golden Spike to be released. The actual Facebook pa- fan page is called Please Publish Golden Spike by Doodles Weaver. 200 people are on board with this. 202, Dan. Christ. <laughs> we are 100% committed to this movement. Let's just like really quick run through the details of Doodle Weaver's life. He was born into like some money. His dad was a wealthy roofing contractor because that's a thing that you could be like uh, just a super, super like aristocratic roofing contractor back then. And what a weird different time. Yeah. When like there was upward mobility so he came from like the super rich family his brother was briefly the president of nbc uh as we mentioned last time he's the uncle of sigourney weaver and he's he he has a bunch of kids over the course of three different divorces he was actually an early contributor to mad magazine he never had any like major success he was just basically the guy that did the thing we saw in this episode where he comes in talks for a minute and then bounces yeah that's my thing if your brother is president of nbc how the hell are you playing a mailman for one minute in one episode of the andy griffith show yeah like and then he shot himself twice in the chest which is a crazy suicide Does not add up. Yeah. So, all right. If you, Marty, if you could think of a memoir more likely to be the subject of a uh, Philip Marlowe style noir than The Golden Spike published by a dude with Doodles Weaver's life story, could you think of one? Who shoots themselves in the chest twice? Who shoots themselves in the chest at all, let alone twice? I, I'm pretty, um, I feel like this is the subtle implication of the Doodles Weaver fan club, but I feel like Doodle Weaver was murdered in a cover-up conspiracy. Like, we're, we're all, um, Absolutely. Yeah. Like, it was clear, like, if you were going to name some fucking names and, like, and air some dirty laundry, what better name could you 
feasibly come up with than Golden Spike. We keep stumbling across, like, one scene characters or one episode actors whose backstory and life story is so much more interesting than Andy Griffith or Don Knotts. Yeah. If you have a chance, listener at home, go to Doodles Weaver's Wikipedia page, because in addition to just being the details of a very bleak and and, and poetically sad life, he also has the saddest headshot on his Wikipedia page. It is a blurry, grainy <laughs> newspaper uh photo that it looks like they scanned it from his obituary yeah and he has like he's smiling but not with his eyes which i shouldn't be able to tell from a photo this grainy but i can it looks it's so noir it's so fucking weird like we keep stumbling on just these pockets of incredible human sadness while while watching this show uh that's our new tagline Breaking Mayberry, stumbling across incredible pockets of human sadness while watching the Andy Griffith show. Oh, yeah. No, I was about to say, like, you're going to do a, a short version of it. But no, no, you just did the whole thing. All right. All right. All right. Yeah, yeah cool. Yeah. yeah. Fair, it's, fair. it's about as catchy as everything else we've come up with. One more thing before we move on to today's episode. I want to give a shout out to Grant uh, from Sex Archie slash History Honeys, which are two excellent podcasts that you should Beautiful subscribe lunatic. to immediately. Grant sent something to our offices. He sent us a little note with it. Uh, he sent us a a pack of Andy Griffith trading cards uh, <laughs> in still in the package. Mm-hmm. Um, and by the way, the copyright date on them is 1990. He left us a little note to check that the date and said it was much later than what we thought these came out in 1990 so what i did with this package of uh playing cards or andy griffith show trading cards is that i tossed it on the stack of 20 <laughs> other packages of andy griffith show trading cards that i own and dan you are correct you have told me that i keep looking for reasons to have bought this (laughs) you keep like being like at a live show we're gonna raffle these off i'm like what human other than us could possibly have any use for these i would barely have any use for these one one, one quick thing is grant mentioned that there was gum and also that you should check the expiration date on on the gum and i just have a quick question what's the deal with that gum no, what he actually said is that he hopes that there's some old nasty gum in it. You know, Dan, maybe we should just make a video of us opening this particular pack. Uh, because it does stick out. Uh, it is from the first series with the green wrapper. Mm-hmm. And every one that I own is from the second series of trading cards with the yellow wrapper. So this one's kind of unique. So is there any gum? Because I was thinking... We'll find out. I was thinking, like, if there is gum, I will absolutely chew that gum, and we can, like, raise money for charity, I guess. All right, so check out our YouTube page in about a week or so. We will, like, film Dan eating gross gum, I guess. Yeah, no, we'll do that. I'll, uh, if if we raise $1,000 for Planned Parenthood, I'll chew some ancient gum and get severe food poisoning. You you can watch me uh, chew gum, sit there for two minutes going, I think I, it's fine. I feel fine. And then just a shot of a of a bathroom door closed as I just puke my brains out and hallucinate violently. Smash mouth, eat the gum. Smash Dan, eat the gum. How do you remember more than two smash? How do you remember a single smash mouth song that isn't all star? 
No, I just remember that time that something awful goons got Smash Mouth to eat eggs. It's a glorious story. <laughs> I forgot that you were part of that insane community. Are you ready to move on to the day's episodes? Yeah, let's get into these these shitty fucking episodes. Oh, I guess they're fine. One of them is okay. The first episode we're doing today, uh, maybe the only episode at this point, uh, is Season 2, Episode 15, Bailey's Bad Boy. Originally airs January 15th, 1962, written by Leo Solomon and Ben Gershman. Directed by guy who owns every episode of the A-Team on VHS and DVD, Bob Sweeney. Listen, goddammit, the Sweeney's built this company. I'm off the board. I'm off the board. You, This company is nothing without me. Bob Sweeney will not go quietly into this good night. I'll destroy each and every one of you. Damn it. Bob Sweeney. Here's your one-sentence summary from Wikipedia. A spoiled rich teenager, played by the Incredible Hulk's Bill Bixby, is arrested for speeding and sideswiping a farmer's truck, and Andy helps him learn to take responsibility for his behavior. So before we get into this, I want to point out, this is the most Andy Griffith show, Andy Griffith show episode I've ever seen. It's pretty much the... Like, the thesis statement of the Andy Griffith the show. The thesis statement. Yeah, yeah, it's the point of this. They fa- It's basically the one where they figure out what the fuck this show is. And I did not care for it. It. I mean, I found it genuinely funny in a few parts, but it is... Uh, I mean... You know, this, this one marks the advent of what I'd like to call plaid shirt Andy. You've got lawman Andy, who's always in his outfit. But when Andy's in dad mode... He wears the plaid shirt. Yeah. And plaid shirt, Andy sucks ass. Yeah, I mean, I don't, like, this is, honestly, it's the most benign the show has ever been. Like, it's it's the it's the, the least offensive, nothing, they, the writers don't really fuck up that much. And I hated it because it was just cardboard. It was just like, it it, it was like, eating some flavorless grits it it, was, it is the kellogg's cornflakes of television it it was like sitting in my grandma's house but there's no like they're, 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 i'm never given like candy or anything it was just like sitting in a stale room with dry air and just like looking desperately for anything to pay attention to i my add got worse from having watched this like it is permanently slightly worse. Let's get yeah. into it. Let's let's fucking go. I'm gonna drift off like four times during this conversation. I'm gonna like I need to I need to just close every window on my browser because I am going to look at Twitter over the course of talking about this episode. All right, let's go. The first thing we see is that there is a truck that is just like in it, not quite in a ditch, but just like violently off the road. Uh, it has been run off the road. Barney and Andy approach in the squad car to see what has happened because you know, a farmer in his truck has been in some sort of accident. Yeah. Uh, and the farmer whose name is uh, Fletch Dilbeck. Fucking. So farmer. Fucking. Farmer Fletch. Name. Farmer Fletch. Ancestor of films, Fletch. So farmer Fletch refuses to give anything other than one word answers. He's basically like uh, Lurch from hot fuzz he basically does yard yeah narp yeah the entire time he's understandably pissed because he just got run off the road but also this is the cops so uh and they do like a little bit about that where they're like 
uh, like he's just giving them one word answers, and then they're like, "Man, say a sentence." And then he he says like, "Oh, it's one of them newfangled convertible jobs." I'm. I wish I could get my hands on that boy for just fifteen seconds. I'd really murder him with my bare hands. And Andy's like, then Andy just gives him shit like, "Oh wow, don't tire yourself out saying full sentences to us, Fletch." And and then they drive off. Uh, he says, "Want to get my both hands on that whippersnapper? <laughs> get my both hands. My both hands. I love that." Uh, so. Andy and Barney drive off in search of uh, the perpetrator, essentially. And they pull over uh, a young man in a red convertible. And they pull him over and they observe that he has celery in his car, which is kind of evidence that he may have sideswiped a farmer's truck. Yeah, he's like, he's um, when they pull up, he's already out of his car looking at the back of it. So he's like looking at the damage that happened from sideswiping the truck. Uh, and they're like, hey, man. What's going on? And he's just like, oh, you know, I, I I thought I had a flat, but I don't have a flat, so I'm going to leave. And then you just go like, why is there celery in your car? And he's like, I, I, I like celery. And they're like, what? Are you serious? Fuck you. We're arresting you. Um, We're arresting you because nobody likes yeah, celery. No human in the history. It's just it's just grass with water. It's just water grass. What are you? Fuck you. We only put those in Bloody Marys, you idiot. Uh, and, and then they start arresting him and, uh, he says that he's on his way to, to Miami. He's really in a hurry. He can't deal with this shit. Uh, and they take his license and his name is Ronald Bailey. He's 19 year old. And then he kind of tries to bribe them a little bit. Kid has no idea how to talk. Yeah. He, he says something like, no one was hurt. And if you let me go, no one's going to be hurt, which is absolutely a threat or enough of a like it's ambiguous enough that they could be like he's reaching for something and then gun him the fuck down like he's extremely white yeah yes okay yeah well they could like in a court of law they could be like he said nobody's gonna be hurt which i interpreted as a as a threat so like he really has never just talked to a lawyer ever huh I mean, this is really the first time that Barney has had, like, a reason to hit a kid with a club. And he f- does not make, take that opportunity. He's uh, all bark. So the young Bailey points out that his father is John, period, Judson, period, Bailey, period. And it's never really explained who John Judson Bailey is. He's just a rich and powerful dude. I don't know if he's, like, a senator. I don't know if he, like, yeah, they, they, owns they... property. He's just, like, a well-known rich dude is he like a supposed to be a rockefeller in this universe i don't know I don't, but I he's like, he was a criminal because all right at one because he's like uh my dad can have anything that he wants in this state including your badge and then later he says uh some guys are gonna come down and fuck you up like he, he he's like we're there my my dad's men are going to straighten you out i couldn't tell it sort of feels like his dad's supposed to be a mobster or something it's super weird how ambiguous they are about what his deal is, right? I see. I didn't get mobster because, like, the straighten you out stuff I thought was just, like, lawyers are going to come and they're going to whoop your ass legally yeah. with law. By the way, you can tell just how dull and bored we were by now because I have a little note here that says, in caps, there's a very loud bird in this scene. <laughs> 
I was extremely distracted by how loud this bird was that was cheeping in the background. But that's what you get when you film on an actual dirt road. So good job, The Andy Griffith Show. Uh, Yeah. Uh, So, all right. They establish there's a dude in the state that Andy and Barney both immediately know, and he's omnipowerful. He can have these dudes destroyed at a whim. As a result, his kid is basically above the law. And they're both like, oh, yeah, you are above the law. Shit. Well, we're going to make a stand and arrest you anyway because you fled the scene of an accident and that dude could have been seriously hurt and we're really pissed about it. So, like, is this the best thing that Andy and Barney have ever done on the show of arresting? Possibly. of, Of taking a stand against rich people, I think. Possibly. So here's something weird that happens. So they they do haul him in. They carry in all of his stuff to the to the cell, like they're fucking bellhops. Yeah. Well, he uses his phone call and he fall he calls his father. Now, here's what got me. Andy is not trying this case himself. He says that he says that Bailey has to stay in the jail until until Judge Parker can show up. Judge Parker, which, by the way, might be a reference to the newspaper comic strip, Judge Parker, uh, which would have been popular around the time. What's what's the comic strip, Judge Parker, Marty? I feel like you want to talk about it. I, we don't have time for me to talk <laughs> about Judge Parker. It is a, like, 60-year-old soap opera strip that has gone into some weird fucking directions, uh, including spies. The current storyline is that the Parkers, like, made, I guess? The Parkers, like, like friend? married a man who has ties to the mob and then faked his own death and blamed her for his murder. And uh, it goes into some weird shit for uh, what used to be a boring courtroom drama. Uh, it's about a, trip. it's about a judge. It's about like a cool, like judge who gets into all sorts of uh, incidents. It was, it was, but now judge Parker is retired and his son, Sam Parker is the main character. And Sam Parker is an attorney, like a Phoenix, right? Like ace attorney, like a sexy, cool attorney. But here's the thing. I don't think they've been in a fucking courtroom in months. It's all about weird spy shit and business conspiracies. I am so on board for this comic strip. This sounds awesome. Oh, it rules. It rules. It gets a little wordy sometimes. I I really, I feel like an entire genre of comic strips that you've described to me is like, uh, it was about this thing. And then the writer got dementia and it sort of devolved into vague, meandering, (laughs) insane shit. Like you're like, yeah, it was about this. Uh, then then it got kind of weird over the last couple of years. I don't know what's happening to all these different writers simultaneously. Uh, okay, so that, yeah, back to that. So, uh, Judge Parker is coming. So, there is another judge. So, we've asked a billion times, like, is Andy accountable to anybody? And the explanation we've always given ourselves is like, well, he is the judge, so no. But yeah, there is. So, what the fuck is going on? Why is he- Right. Why? So, I think my best explanation for it is like, okay, well, he knows that this is actually serious, so he can't be the judge of his own case because any lawyer would take that apart. So he Right, so Andy's aware of that, and this one's got him scared. Mm. He's actually in it now, like, so, which indicates that all the previous times, he has just been basically fucking around. Like, uh, every yeah, yeah. every like case he's ever tried could be thrown out in a minute. Hey, The Andy Griffith Show, welcome to the concept of stakes. Yeah. Welcome to a risk for your character. Oh my 
God, is that is oh, is that a villain? Is that a threat on the horizon, Marty? Oh my God! Oh man, there may be some conflict. Better go fishing. Yeah, and there we go. So he's they put him in the jail cell and just. He, he's trying to get a hold of his dad and he can't and he's like well send his attorney and andy rolls in with uh with opie and is just like come on man let's go fish and he's like what and he's like barney is off doing stuff and i don't like doing my job so uh, i told opie we we're gonna go fishing so you're coming with me let's go fishing and he's like also don't try to run and bailey's like Oh, I'm not going to run. I want to see my dad's men straighten you out. And Andy's just like, yeah, all right, come on. So Andy is, I think, pretty aware that he's boned at this point, right? Yeah, it feels like he's he's trying to, like, he took a stand. And it actually might be the first time it seems like he's got doubts. But he's covering those doubts real well because all he's going to do is go fishing with his boy. So the the point, the thing they haven't done a good job at so far is establishing why the fuck Andy is doing this. Like he just like kind of casually arrests him. And whenever someone's like, hey, Andy, you're going to be utterly annihilated. He's just like, yeah, all right. Like he, he they they definitely do a good job of establishing stakes. But Andy Griffith is just kind of like, oh, you know, whatever. If I get completely annihilated, if I if I lose my badge, yeah, I'll fucking like Andy Griffith is not yeah. aware of what the fuck is going on, really. Yeah, Andy's motives in this are really questionable, and you could just say he's doing it because he wants to uphold the law and it's the right thing to do. But we have seen Andy Griffith ignore the law for his own reasons dozens of times. Yeah, no, he he just arrests the kid because the kid is kind of a dick. That's basically it. And he's like, and then after that, he's like, I'm not, I'm going to try to not pay attention to how boned I am. Let's go fishing. Uh, So they do, in fact, go fishing. Uh, The next scene is Bailey and Andy and Opie on a dock at the lake. Uh, I feel like they actually did use a live fish for this because uh, they, they get some real excitement. Opie reels in a fish and then Andy is taking out the hook and Andy Griffith, the actor, is very clearly struggling with this live fish, and he is vamping and improving as he tries to get this hook out. They're they're doing a whole it's a it's it's a very long fishing scene, man. Like it's so. What did you think? We saw Shazam last night. What do you think of Shazam? It was pretty good, right? Oh man, Shazam's good as hell, man. I like Shazam. I was shocked by how good Shazam is. Yeah, no, like uh, I, I, I expected that I was gonna like Shazam. Shazam fucking ruled, and also it was extremely Philly. Like it was almost shockingly Philly. I even the parts that were very clearly not filmed in Philadelphia were extremely. Philly. Yeah, like they I, they had all the SEPTA buses and stuff. The SEPTA buses had actually accurate like street names on them. I, I love the idea that just Philadelphia exists in the DC universe. Like, all these other DC properties are in, like, like mythical and places with all this, like, mythos and uh, lore behind them. Gotham yeah. City, Metropolis, Atlantis, Themyscira, Philly! <laughs> and even... West Philadelphia! And, I mean, no no superheroes in the DC universe are ever from a city. Like, it's not like Marvel where they're all in New York. Like, like Green Arrow is in Star City, and I think uh, the Green Lantern is in, like, Emerald City or something. 
uh, the 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 fl- co- co- coastal, coastal city, city the fl- yeah, the the flashes in uh either Central or Keystone City, depending on which flash. So and they they didn't they didn't make up like a fake name for Philadelphia. They didn't call it well, like Liberty City or whatever. The, They're just like this is Philadelphia. In the comics, Captain Marvel is from Fawcett City, and in this, they're just like, now nah, he's from Philly, man. So I really like the idea that like it's an alternate universe where all cities have different names, except you know Philly's still there. Dan, listen. What I know, you you let me talk about newspaper comics. Right now, we're talking about Philadelphia superheroes. I know what you're doing, and we're talking about the Andy Griffith okay, show. Okay, all right. Yep. Sorry, sorry. I that that's on me. That's I, it. That's I, my bad. I I know what you're doing. I'm allowing myself to fall for it. Just like Bill Bixby as Bailey allowed himself to fall for letting Andy butter him up a little bit, but as soon as he caught on. He was right back to being belligerent because that's what happens in this. Yeah. Scene. So this was Andy's Andy. gambit was he was basically going to take this dude out fishing and then he he made him catch a fish. And then he's like, man, you kick ass at catching fish. You're so good at fish catching. And he's like, golly gee, I am. I've never caught a fish before. And then Andy blows it by saying, you're a better man than I am. And Bailey immediately just goes like, why would you even say that in this context? Like, even that doesn't even make sense contextually. So very clearly, you're just trying to butter me up so that when my dad gets here, you won't lose your job. And it's and he he puts a very like huffy vibe into it. And then he's like, "Well, it's not gonna work, Mister." And then he like storms off. Uh. I gotta say, Bill Bixby actually is really good at this. Also, counterpoint, Andy Taylor might actually define male worth by amount of fish caught today. So, who knows? Yeah, no, just Uh, at any given moment, he's like, Floyd, how many fish have you caught? And Floyd's like, three. And he's like, Barney, how many fish have you caught? And Barney's like, four. And he's like, Floyd, I hate to break it to you. Barney is better than you today, just objectively as a man. Uh, You know, better luck next time. Uh, you, you, You get back out there. So yeah, that, that, that is honestly, I mean, it's all they ever fucking talk about is how many fish they caught. Yeah. Uh, so later that night at the jail, oh Christ. later that night, this scene. So later that night at the jail, uh, there's a scene where Bailey is like, he's got a radio out and he's dancing and Barney comes out in his pajamas. Because I guess he was sleeping on a cot in the back room. He's just dancing in a jail cell. Like, he's holding the radio and he's just, like, kind of doing the twist alone in a jail cell at night. Like a sane man would. Like, like a, a totally normal thing where you just hold your iPod and dance out loud in a jail. Uh, and then Barney comes out and just be like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Very justifiably, like, go to sleep. It's nighttime. And, uh... Bailey says, hey, this town really swings, doesn't it? And there's a, a very a joke I fucking hated of Barney's goes like, well, of course we got swings, but no one uses them at night. Now go to bed. It's the most dad joke ass joke possible. It's like it's a 1960s dad joke, which makes it like dad joke squared. Otis kind of stumbles in as Otis's want to do on a Saturday night. Uh, and he sets, he's about to like let himself in, and he's surprised to find that there is a strange man sleeping in his cell. Now, I want to point out, as a nitpick here, 
that Bailey is in the cell on the right, and Otis always sleeps in the cell on the left, but this time, this time he's mad. He's mad that there's a strange man in his cell. So they move, they, Barney moves uh, Bailey to the other cell to make Otis happy. But Otis was making that shit up. He's always in the other cell. That's his cell. What if on the Incredible Hulk TV I hate show that I they know just this. put a wig on this guy? That would be pretty great if instead of getting Lou Ferrigno, they just took this dude and just put a green wig on him. I'd like that. If, but then they just were like, like, they just made him throw people around. Like, like the Hulk didn't change size in any way. I that would be a good show. I would watch that. <laughs> anyway, so 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 Bailey says something like, "I can't stand this town. You you don't accept money. You treat a drunk like he's someone important. Boy, boy, boy." Uh, the next day, um, Barney is reading the newspaper. He says, "Ha ha ha! That Andy Gump, which is a reference to the Gumps, which is a newspaper comic strip. I don't actually oh, know anything what? about." You got so um, excited when we were watching yeah. it. You were like, "Comic strip reference? Ah, oh, that's that's a waste." Yeah, I'm sorry, I didn't do any. No, not of you. Like, one. of course, the Andy uh, Griffith Show re- <laughs> like references a comic strip that you don't know about. This punishing episode. Like they t- they take Bailey out of jail because they say we're closed on Sundays. The jail's closed on Sundays. They leave Otis there because he's gonna like catch up on his letter writing, I guess. Because it's it's Otis's apartment, as we know. Yeah, it's basically it's transformed over time to like. They arrest Otis, and he is ostensibly a criminal, but they have, like, a very fun relationship to just basically, like, this is just Otis's summer house, basically. Like, yeah, this is yeah. just, like, his second apartment. So, like, it is kind of cool how that's, it, it's become increasingly less formal, and it's now just a place that he can hang out. So, the next scene is they're on the front porch of Andy's house, and they're in their Sunday best. Uh, and they, they keep talking about, you know, they keep talking about Aunt B's good food, as always. And, uh... Aunt B calls them fat fucks. And they're like, that food was good. And Aunt B was like, you guys didn't have to eat so much of it. You ate so much food. What is, what is wrong? Like, she gets mad at them about how much food they ate. Uh, and then she's like, but anyway, it's time to make ice cream. And then they, uh, start talking about how good homemade ice cream is. Right, or- and this is this is very weird because like Bailey's very confused. He says, "Wait, why would you why would you make ice cream? You can buy ice cream at the store, which is directly opposed to the message of the pickle story, mind you. The well, pickle story is all about how hope how store bought stuff actually is better." Well, they're not in big ice cream's pocket. It's Mr. Vlasic that's paying them. Like they're not going to they're not just like pro supermarket. They're they're taking money from very specific brands. That's fair. That's so fair. If ice tracks. cream wants, if if ice cream, if dryers wants to get on that gamble, gambit, they gotta pay up. They gotta pony up. Yeah. All right. So meanwhile, there's a tender father son moment between Andy and Opie because we gotta check that box. I fucking hated this interaction. Uh, this interaction sucked so much ass. So Opie just says like. Uh, completely unprompted. No, no, no catalyst for this. Opie just says, like, Pa, if I tell you something, will you promise not get mad? And he says, no, I don't promise that. And Opie's like, okay, well, I'm going to tell you anyway because we got to keep moving this. Uh, I broke a window. Well, no, he's like, a window got broken. And he's like, did you break the window? And he's like, yes, I did. And he he's like, are you mad at me? And Andy just says, like, 
well, no, I'm not mad, but you're going to be because that window is coming out of your allowance. And then Opie just goes like, I am 100% fine with that and leaving. So just, it's the, it's, it was such shitty writing where it's just like, just Opie did behaved like exactly perfect to illustrate a point and just the way like no child ever feasibly could. It's also uh, very funny to me because this show can and has made that interaction into an entire episode. So it's basically yeah. them admitting, yeah, we know that all of our entire episodes could be summed up in a five sentence conversation. Shut up. He, yeah, no, it was it's it's so badly written, so frustrating. And then Bailey is basically like, oh, well, you know, you were a little rough on him. Why didn't you bail the little fella out? It's just a window. And then the big thesis statement of the episode, if he did that, he'd expect me to come to the rescue every time, uh, particularly when he's an adult man. He has to learn how to stand on his two legs. And then Bailey just kind of like, while smoking, just kind of like looks off thoughtfully into the distance. Uh, And then the next scene. They're waiting for Judge Parker to get there, but uh, the lawyer shows up the lawyer that bailey's father sent shows up and he's got fletch farmer fletch and he's got farmer fletch wearing a new suit and he basically gets farmer fletch to admit that he was the one who uh ran the other person off the road he gets him to admit guilt and says that he's not you know in- interested in going further with this uh and andy's like ah bullshit yeah, he basically says, uh, I hope Farmer Fletch enjoys his new truck that I'm pretty sure he's going to get. Um, so, yeah, basically, uh, the lawyer comes in and he bribed Farmer Fletch to uh, to recant his statement. Doesn't actually do anything uh, like retaliatory. He's just like, uh, yeah, I'm just going to make this go away. I paid the guy so that he's no longer accusing you. So uh, everything's turning out way better than the kid suggested it would. And then uh, Bailey says, that's not how it happened. I don't agree uh, to this. I uh, deny this new version of events. And the attorney's like, why why don't you want my help? And then they do the thing of... The boy busted a window, and now he wants to stand on his own two legs. And then the Hulk just kind of, like, nods in agreement. And then he Uh, goes to prison? Right? Because he did a hit and run? But then again, no one is pressing charges. Farmer Fletch isn't pressing charges. And the lawyer at this point should be like, okay, but listen, you still need me if this, like, you still need a lawyer, man. I, I'm still, and there's no conclusion to this. He's going to go to prison. He's going to get a fine, right? Well, they, I mean, who knows? They completely sidestep any, any conclusion whatsoever. whatsoever. They're like, okay. all right, he's standing on his own two feet. And then, question mark? Okay, so now let's get the fuck into it. Because this is the Andy Griffith show purely diluted. Because this whole situation is fucking libertarian because they all right andy give show establishes that there's a problem that it's bad that rich people have the amount of power that their kids can do whatever they want and never experience consequences yeah i like, agree with this yeah so and then the solution that they come up with is that well the rich kids should just be more self-sufficient and then this is fine 
so it's not like, hey, it's kind of weird that there are people that wear disproportionate amounts of power in our society. It sure would be great if just they decided to not abuse us with it. If these people that are basically like gods to us were just, you know, cool and we'll just like teach them how to how to be nice to us using using down home values. So it's like Don't forget, yeah, that uh Bailey is also gotta cross check off that box. Straw man from the big city? Yeah. Check. <laughs> so it's like it's one of those things where it looks like it's being kind of forward thinking because it's like, hey, rich people are a problem. But then the solution they have to that is just like and we're gonna tell them to stop it. In this specific instance. So the next time you find yourself royally fucked over by a rich person, do the Andy Griffith thing and just be like, hey, cut it out. And they'll do it. So, like, it's, it's, it, 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 we, we talked about this, like, really early on where the Andy Griffith show, like, identifies a problem and then their problem is just like, is, is it libertarian? I think it's pretty fucking libertarian. Yeah, because, like, the lesson from this is that, like, people should take responsibility for what they've done, which is a fine lesson, but decades passed, and people took that lesson to be, like, everyone must be self-sufficient at all times, and no one can rely on anybody else for anything, you are on your own, it is a cold, hard world, I am a sovereign citizen, and I do not recognize <laughs> the authority of anybody else, this, I am my own man, all taxation is theft. Like when when old people are watching like news stories of like uh, a rich person did a fucked up thing to a poor person, they're just sitting there. I'm like, well, did you try telling them to stop? Like you just if you just tell them to stop, they'll stop. Like so, it it's that. So that's the super fucked up lesson of this is like it's all this like sweet like like nice moments and uh and like good lessons and the good lesson is just basically teaching absolutely nothing because the moral like the the lesson it gives you it could not be you can't use this you can't use any of this you've learned nothing useful uh i it, it it's like uh i'm i'm teaching you how to uh survive in a burning building and i'm just like try punching the wall maybe it will fall down uh yeah it's Ugh, it's such I fucking hate this episode. It, this isn't so this isn't a bad episode, and I fucking hate it. Yeah, there's a thing. I like this episode, and I also hate it. Uh, so the stinger for this is, by the way, that problem just disappears. No follow up. No idea what happened to that guy. <laughs> Bailey and, was later stabbed in prison. He bled out, just going like, "I'm self sufficient," and that got him into heaven. Yeah, uh, uh, and. So the stinger of this is that Barney and Andy are cleaning shit up, uh, and Barney says, boy, that's what's wrong with children these days. They all want the almighty dollar. And then basically, uh, Barney's like, nuh-uh, and Andy just goes like, well, it sure helps him out with those girls. And Barney says, uh, they, they haven't talked about Juanita in a while, but he says like, you know, I could call up Juanita Beasley down at the diner and say that we're going to go out on a date. I'm not going to spend a nickel on her. And then he does that, and he's like, I'm not, hey, we're going to go on a date, and uh, I'm not going to spend a nickel on you, but we are going to go in my cop car, and I'll let you play with the siren. And uh, she hangs up on him, Andy rubs it in and calls her back, and she hangs up on Andy. 
Yeah, and and then it's over. <laughs> it sucks. It, it, it sucks, sucks ass. And also, we just spent an episode getting very upset on Thelma Lou's behalf, and like Barney threatening to fight a guy for trying to marry her, and then we just remember like, oh yeah, he's trying to cheat on his girlfriend. I forgot, like. He's doing his best to cheat on his girlfriend with a lady who works at the diner. So, all right, we're at the end of uh, Bailey's Bad Boy. Do you want to do some ratings? Let's do some fucking ratings. Let's do some ratings on this motherfucker. All right. Uh, All right. So how good is this episode? Scale of one to ten Andes. It's so annoying because, like, it made me laugh. I, I can't say that I wasn't entertained by it. I just hate it. So I don't know why it makes me so angry. Like I'm angrier thinking about this episode than I am about, you know what it is? You know what it fucking is, Marty is because again, it's that hell we trapped ourselves in because this episode is pretty good. And when an episode is good, it makes our lives so much harder. Yeah. Cause, yeah. cause it's like, cause we're in a, we're no longer like watching the Andy Griffith show and like, analyzing it we are in a battle against the andy griffith show and this is the epi- this is an episode that has like not bested us but like d- done pretty good it definitely has the upper hand and the thing is like if you were just flipping through tv and you saw this on like syndication or you saw it on tv land or whatever the way that the andy griffith show is supposed to be watched and not like what we do, you'd be like, ah, this is pretty good. This is a solid way to spend 25 minutes. If you want a yeah. solid way to spend 25 minutes and you want to watch the most Andy Griffiths thing, this is a fine episode. So for everybody else on the planet, I guess it's an eight. And yeah. for you and me, I'm going to say it's a four. Yeah, I think I agree with that. It's like this was uh, this was a battle. Like just fine. It's not even like it was that good. There was so little to talk about. It was it's in terms of like shit to think about while watching this show. It's worse than Andy and Opie housekeepers because like Andy and Opie housekeepers, we can at least think about how fucking bad that episode was. This was just like, it was just nothing. It was a completely, it was like just middle of the road TV show. It was just literally like it. It's, it's almost, it reminds me of a, in they live, how, like, there were the white billboards with just, like, blank text. It feels like I just watched a screen that just said, like, television program for, like, for 25 minutes. Like, it was, You know like- what it is? This, this episode is what people who aren't familiar with The Andy Griffith Show think The Andy Griffith Show is. This episode is why, when we tell people we have a podcast about The Andy Griffith Show, they go, wait, why? Because yeah. they think that all the episodes are this. This kind of boring, bland, white normality, I guess. Yeah. And, uh, and it's not. If every episode was this, we wouldn't have this show. But it's what people think it is. If th- if we ever have two episodes of this in a row, then we're immediately pivoting to be a show about Ch- uh, Walker, Texas Ranger. Jesus. Yeah, fuck this episode. And all right, Barney, Barney, let's do the Barney. I think it has a pretty for season two a pretty toxic moral like a that's pretty well constructed so i put it like at like a seven or an eight uh i'm gonna say like like i i wasn't nope. like violently angry at this like it, it didn't make me go oh fuck you uh like some other things have so i'm gonna put it at like a three or a four like it is like it is some some shittiness to it 
I'm but, all right, I'm going to I'm going to put it at a I seven, and my reasoning much. is no puppies get kicked. Like there's nothing that's like viscerally upsetting, but it has I think for a really long while the worst lesson. Where it's just like, when a rich person does a bad thing, say, please, sir, don't do that. And they won't, because rich people are people. So yeah, I'm about yeah. to put it at a seven. Like, again, it's one of those things like, this got internalized, and people did bad things as a result of it. I guess let's get the fuck away from this toxic-ass episode and do the manicurist. The manicurist! The manicurist! Uh, again, the last episode of God's perfect roly-poly little dipshit the mayor um i do do you have anything you want to say marty about i i think i think you summed it up pretty well for us dan i our our fat little boy uh the man who is simultaneously my son and also my grandpa uh i'm gonna miss him so goddamn much he was too perfect for this world you good start doing the episode Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll get back on. Okay, <laughs> so uh, this episode is season two, episode sixteen. <laughs> Originally airs January twenty second, nineteen sixty two. Written by Charles Stewart and Jack Ellenson. Directed by potential mayor murderer Bob Sweeney. Your Mima's new special friend, Bob Sweeney. You good? You, you back in on this? I'm back. I'm back. So Bob Sweeney revitalized me. Let's get. Let's get. Let's let's get into. It. I got it. I'm like. I, I I have to like keep moving and keep going through this episode, or I'm going to just sort of collapse into just a pit of despair. So just all like, right. First thing. First thing. Let's get going. Let's get Wikipedia summary. Okay. What's that one Wikipedia summary, saying? One cent. Oh. Ooh. Oh. So here's the one sentence summary from Wikipedia. A manicurist played by Barbara Eden sets up shop in Floyd's barber shop but ends up unintentionally causing trouble when the man, when the men of Mayberry start flocking to her for manicures, making their wives jealous. Period. Last appearance of Mayor Pike. <laughs> Period. <laughs> he had so much love to give! Why? <laughs> so, the episode opens up in Floyd's Barbershop, where, uh... Dan has written here that the mayor is going all Unabomber. Uh, um, <laughs> he's basically complaining that things move too fast these days. You can get in an airplane and fly across the country in four hours, which no, you can't. Yeah, what the fuck is the mayor talking about? <laughs> That's not at all accurate. But, and I can't believe, like, it's 1960 and they're like, should there be technology debate? Uh, there's there's a really funny bit where they're they're like, well, why why do we even want to go to the moon? What's the point of the moon? Yeah, they're like, event. I, I, it's kind of actually interesting where they're keeping like, when we eventually get to the moon, which is gonna happen. Why are we even going there? This is a dumb thing that we're going to do. I swear to God, any day now we're gonna be on the moon, which I think is stupid. Like, it's it's kind of like, even when they're talking shit on going to the moon as a joke, they're just like, the moon, which we will be soon, is dumb in a place we shouldn't go. It's weird. Uh, and all- The entire time, the entire time, uh, Floyd is just waving his scissors around and nearly stabbing Barney in the ear, like, four times. It is the weirdest, like, bo- Floyd being a bad barber is, uh is like a reoccurring bit they do but he is 
actively dangerous. Like, he almost blinds Barney, like, three times. If Barney didn't have, like, if Barney had slightly shittier reflexes, like, Floyd would be in jail. It's it's a very weird reoccurring bit, like, like oh, yeah, so uh, what are Floyd's personality traits? Well, you know, he's, uh, he's excitable. He's a little greedy. Uh, he is a danger to himself and others. That's, that's thing three about Floyd is uh, he almost kills one of the main characters on a regular basis. And he has glasses, so that's the fourth thing. To be fair, this particular main character nearly kills himself every single day. <laughs> yeah. So that's yeah. Uh, so that that that's the opening, and then you know, so we should point out that the people in the room are Floyd, the mayor, uh, Barney, Andy, and then some dick, dude, some asshole, some fucking dude, some <laughs> another white guy with a mustache. There are so many fucking dudes that are just like, I'm a mustache man. I have I have several chins. Hello, like. What happened to Orville? Orville is gone. There's just like a series of yeah. I miss that guy. I thought that there was just gonna be like I thought that Orville and Floyd were gonna be like the Norm and Cliff of this show. No, Orville's gone, and he's just been replaced by like, hello, I'm Orville two. Hello, I'm Orville three. I also have a mustache and a head that looks like a fucking thumb. Like it's it's really weird. They just have like an infinite supply of Orvilles. Here's the plot of the of the episode. It shows up. On a bus. Well, Orville Part 2 is like, well, the Nashville bus is coming through. And then they go, oh, wait, the bus is stopping? Yeah. They're just, they, they literally... <laughs> Someone's getting off the bus? They literally say, hey, the Nashville bus is here. And then they all like stand up and be like, it's right on time. Like, they're just like, that's a thing they talk about where it's like... They're very excited that a bus has shown up at its scheduled time. Yeah. They're like, this is worth talking about because we have nothing else. But then someone gets off the bus, and it is I Dream of Jeannie's Barbara Eden. And she is playing a manicurist named Ellen Brown, who is basically Luann from King of the Hill. Yeah, basically. <laughs> also, it was was I Dream of Jeannie on yet? I don't think so. I think um, this is pre-I Dream of Jeannie. Uh, this is pre-Jeannie, yeah. So what the fuck was she famous for at this point? Was she just Nothing. like... She, this, this, this isn't like a cameo. This is just like a one per... Oh, so they were just like, we need a hot lady. And they they got they got Barbara Eden. Okay. Yeah. That makes it honestly... She's, she's not famous yet. That makes it honestly creepier. Because I thought it was like, all right, so Barbara Eden was a famous hot actress. So they got the famous hot actress and they brought her on and they just frequently remarked about how hot she is. But instead, no. they were like, all right, so I wrote this lady, and she's hot, and everybody is constantly commenting on how hot she is. So put out a casting call for a super hot lady. That's so much worse. Yeah. So far, the only, like, guest star that's been an actual star that we've seen, I think, was that one Annie Oakley episode. Oh, okay. That was all written all about it. But so, yeah, so far, these are all people who will be famous later. So that's what happens. Barbara Eden gets off the bus, and these five men get the horniest we've ever seen. They just stand out, stand inside the barber shop, looking out the window at her, and just gawking, going, "Oh, that is a female. That's a female." So this entire episode smells like puberty. Like they are like just nutting in their pants the entire episode, and just like blasting middle school level pheromones into the air they wrote an entire episode of like what if 
every single man main character on this show was just like 14 for an entire episode and just suddenly like, suddenly the entire barbershop smells like axe body spray <laughs> and that won't even be invented for another 45 years uh, characters take turns going to the bathroom and staying there for about 15 to 20 minutes suddenly every single one of the male characters is holding a binder by the fourth scene of this episode if you ran a uv light through floyd's barber shop it would light up like a fucking disco ball a lot of gross a lot of palms got hairy in between scenes of this show we are not exaggerating they yeah. talk about this for a while uh, and then the mayor's send, like well i'm they send the mayor out going like well i'm rock hard right now I'm as turgid as I've been in years. I'm the mayor. This is how they send him off. He died the way he lived, being chubby and horny. God. Just like, like you were supposed to be a non-sexual, like, teddy bear of a man. What? Ah. Oh, God. Yeah. I want to move on from this scene, but I do want to point out before we, uh, like, move on that... They go to, like, they say to Barney, because Barney's a young bachelor. Uh, Andy is also a young bachelor. I don't know why they say yeah, it. Yeah, why this, the... The, the, the mayor says, Barney, questions. Barney, you're a bachelor. How would you handle... Could you think you could handle a woman like that? And then Barney says, I think with a girl like that, you gotta treat her a little bit rough. You know, show her his boss. You know, he basically says, I should slap her around he, a little he, bit. He's like, he says, he's like, rough her up a bit, which I was like, I was like trying to give him the benefit of the doubt. I was like, what, he's going to neg her? But it's like, no, rough her up is hit her. So like, what? Like at, at best, the most charitable reading of this line is that Barney was just like, oh, well, I'm into bondage. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, like the most, the, uh, the, the most charitable reading I could give is like, Barney is so ahead of the game of being a shitty asshole that he invented negging. Like, he was just going to go up and be like, sup, what's going on with your big stupid ears? I'm Barney. Like, but the most accurate possible reading is like, he's like, I'm going to hit her, right? Like, rough her up means hit her, right? Right. It It definitely does not mean, like, consensual BDSM. In 1963, so I don't know what the fuck else it could mean. Yeah, so, <laughs> alright, so 10,000 questions about this scene. So they refer to Barney as a as a bachelor. Andy is also there. Andy is also single. Also, Andy is the one who is at all good at talking to women. Barney has a fucking girlfriend. Admittedly, it is a girlfriend that he is trying his best to cheat on. I guess that's just what they're like, is just like, Barney, you're trying to cheat on your girlfriend. How about you take a crack at this one? Remember, this show has not figured out that there are things between acquaintance and wife. Yeah. Like, like, Barney is a bachelor for as long as he is not married. Yeah. So, So, uh, we just got through an episode where Barney is like, I'm going to fight this guy because he is hitting on my girlfriend. And then, he, the next episode, he's like, trying to cheat on my girlfriend with Juanita Beasley. And then after that, he's like, girlfriend? I don't have a girlfriend. Like, there, a hot lady just walked into frame. I'm single as shit. So, 
worse? It somehow we retroactively made Farmer Takes a Bride worse. Yeah. 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 I, I wish I could play a clip here. I'm going to try, but as we get into more into season two, there's a lot more copyright stuff and it's becoming harder and harder for me to get clips. Is, but, is um, that what it is? Because like uh, last one, there was a point where I was like, let's put a clip here. Pause. So that was a clip. <laughs> no, it's it's becoming harder and harder for me to track down clips. Um, I wish I, I'm, I'm going to try to put a clip here. No promises. But basically, we finally get this this character, this female character. Her name is Ellen. She walks into the barbershop and all these men are just like, holy shit, she's in the barbershop. And she's like, hi, can I speak to the guy who owns this, the proprietor? And they go, holy shit, she wants Dr. Floyd. He wants Dr. Floyd. She wants Dr. Floyd. What? Anyway. How old are these men? I don't know. I don't know. They, I mean, so she's, turns out she's a manicurist and, uh, everybody flees basically. Everyone's like, oh, we got to get out of here. We got to leave everyone out. Uh, Barney nearly gets hit by a car as they run away from this pretty girl. So it's just Andy who is in the chair and Floyd. Yeah. And she tells this story and the story goes on for a little bit. This is the joke is that she keeps talking and talking and talking. She used to work in one of those big shitty barbershops. She was working in a bridal shop in Flushing Queens and her boyfriend kicked her out in one of those crushing scenes. What was she to do? Where was she to go? She was out on her fanny. Then over the bridge to Flushing to the Sheffield store. She was there to sell makeup, but father saw more. She has style. She has flair. She was there. That's how she became the nanny. What just happened? <laughs> Did I? Am I okay? Am I? What, I'm checking. To, I'm checking to like make sure that both sides of my face work. Did I just have a fucking stroke? What is happening? I don't smell she, burnt toast. What? So she tells the story of when she was working at a barber shop. Did I just in the hear big the city? Plot of the nanny. What? And the and Marty, the barber shop was I'm run frightened. by. The barbershop was run by her Marty? old boyfriend, Pierre, who kept asking her to marry. Not her boyfriend. Is, the barber at her old barbershop kept asking her to marry him. Are you doing a different show? Are, what's happening? Is this also another plot? Is this a show that also came out around the time of the nanny? Marty. So then she had to go away for a while because she needed some time to think. So she was looking for a friendly town and she stopped in Mayberry because Mayberry had a sign that said, we're the friendliest town around or some shit like that. So she was looking for a friendly town to think about her old boss who kept sexually harassing her. She asks Floyd for a job because she's a manicurist and that's her chosen profession. Floyd says, we don't really need a manicurist and I can't really pay you. And she says, well, that that's fine. I work on commission. She basically kind of like bulldozes through and forces uh, her way into a job at the barbershop. And then she says, by the way, my name's Ellen Brown. And she leaves. And Floyd says, Andy, fix this. I can't be in proximity to a woman I'm sexually attracted to. Uh, let's Let's just take a quick aside. Does Ellen Brown rule? Because she just rolls in and is like, hey, I want a job. And he's like, no. And she's like, well, you don't really have a leg to stand on in terms of saying no. Like, check it out. I'm taking one of your chairs. I'm putting it next to a table. Hey, there's a workstation for me. You don't have to pay me. So I have a job now. Later. No, Ellen Brown rules. Ellen Brown Ellen awesome. Brown dominates. Uh, but yeah, they fucking, it's incredible that they're like, I can't be around a hot lady. Like... Okay, the most immature people that you can think of. Can you think of any dudes 
older than high school that are like, this lady's too hot for me to be around. Like, is that, that's not a thing anymore, right? Search your feelings, man. You know it to be true. It definitely is. Yeah, you're right. I don't know. I, I'm, there are, yeah, those dudes exist. But, all right, adult-ass men. These are adult-ass men. Dudes in their 40s. There is absolutely no uh, explanation to be like, oh, a girl. My favorite part of this is that she says that she needs time to think. She had to leave her old job because her boss, Pierre, wouldn't stop asking her to marry him. So she was already harassed. It is implied that they were actually dating. She's not like, I need to leave. She's She's not like... I don't. I didn't want to marry him. She's like, well, maybe, but I need to think about it. So it's. I don't think it's like sexual harassment. It's like she started dating her boss, and then her boss started like asking to marry her, and she was like, maybe, and he was like, well, I'm your boss, and I'm upset with maybe. So it was kind. Of, it's not good. It's not a good thing. But it's not like she was being sexually harassed. It was just like she was dating her boss and her boss started using the boss status as like leverage in the relationship. I'm pretty sure that still counts as harassment, but all right. It might be, it might be, I think it's more abusive than harassment. It's not good. It's bad. (laughs) It's bad, but it's not like, it's not like he was hitting on her at work. They were dating and then he was like, as your boss, I want to be your husband. And she was like, I don't know that I want a husband. It's it's definitely not a thing you should be defending. Yeah, yeah no, what am I doing here? I'm I'm clarifying, but I'm cl- definitely clarifying a thing that does not need to be clarified. Why the fuck am I defending Pierre, this fictitious man? This gets me nothing. This is not a hair worth splitting, my friend. Holy shit, Marty, I think like, just like, I think my, my straight white guy gene just activated (laughs) like some some force spoke through me of like well well technically it's not harass it's it's not harassment it's uh it's being inappropriate in a relationship like what the fuck what are we talking about (laughs) so anyway This fucking episode. So we've gotten to the plot, which is that now there's a manicurist who works at the barbershop. And everyone's kind of confused. No one, I think, in this town knows what a manicure is. And Andy's like, it's not going to last. And while she's here, you can get horny to her. That's yeah, it. <laughs> you, you, you can get, hey, everybody, uh, she's going to fail and uh, become destitute. And in the time it takes to happen... Get some primo spank bank material. So, you know, uh, don't talk to her. Definitely don't talk to her. But just, like, extensively eye fuck her and then uh, go home and jerk off like uh, like adult men. Like 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 a thing that people do. The, the next scene is, like, the very next day and all the dudes are there again and they're gawking again. And, I, I, I mean, I kind of don't want to do this scene because it's just more eye fuckery. It's just like literally, she just does stuff like. All right, I, I'm going. Th- I'm gonna. I'm. I'm gonna look at my notes, and it's just the dudes are gawking again. They enter the the barber shop where she is. There's a long pause. For some reason, these guys get their haircut every fucking day. Cause I, again, I think these guys ha- like n- these people have nothing to do with their lives, so they just keep getting their haircut and fishing and keep getting their haircut. Uh, they refuse to talk to her. 
at one point she starts massaging her leg. Then there's a whole bit of they start like trying to have a conversation, but they're not paying attention to each other because they're so busy looking at a leg, specifically one her leg. legs. Because that was back then the only thing that you could like. It was okay to get horny about on TV. Like you couldn't be like nice ass. That you had to be like those um gams, gams, gams. yeah, gams. And uh, they they're like having discussions about like a guy's hardware store and legs and rabbit hunting. And then uh, she goes into the back because all of them refuse to get manicures. Yeah, she's asking them the entire time, like, "Hey, does anyone want a manicure? Do you? Does anybody need a manicure?" Which honestly leads me to wonder: number one, where do the women in this town get their hair done? And number two, why doesn't she just go there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why is she in the very clearly dude's barber shop? There has to be another beautician in town, right? How cl- are all the women driving to Raleigh? Maybe that seems wasteful. Are they all just doing each other's hair? Why is she not talking to any woman? Why doesn't she just go talk to Aunt B, who has the names and addresses of every young woman in the fucking county? And just be like, here, just go to their houses. She effectively bullied herself into the worst job. Like, she fought tooth and nail to get a shitty fucking job. Does the ending of it show just forget that women need haircuts? Yeah, I don't understand this. How, the women are definitely, do like, doing some hair. Who is doing the hair for the women? I feel like the Andy Griffith show either forgets very fundamental information, or just brushes past fundamental information. Has Bob Sweeney ever seen a woman? I don't think Bob Sweeney's ever seen a woman. Bob Sweeney has made love to every single woman in his retirement home, Marty. So, yes. Okay. Uh, I no, who are the writers? Jack Ellison and uh and Charles Stewart. Ellison and Stewart have the highest ratio of episodes where we're not like it's not like sexist, it's like have you been in society at all? They have like all these episodes where it's like have you done any of this? Cuz it it's like they're episodes written by aliens who just like forget fundamental information about just us like women also need haircuts and that's a good place to put a manicuring station or i think they're just like the women go home and just women don't grow hair the women do not need to be groomed in any way these motherfuckers are space aliens marty anyway so andy comes in and she remember she's in the next room in case you forgot from everything we just said 20 sentences ago she's in another room and andy comes in and, and is just like a fucking like almost out of character jackass like he comes in and it's just like hey i told y'all she wouldn't last 24 hours looks like she packed up and left already ha 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 hope y'all got nice and horny while she was here <laughs> and then yeah. she comes in and she's like oh really she yells at him, she runs away, and everyone's like, well, nice going, dickhead. It's really out of character for Andy to be just this much of an asshole. Especially since we just had plaid shirt dad Andy uh, one episode ago. Really? And then she's like, well, I guess I'm gonna prove you right, and I'm going to leave. And then she walks out, and they're all like, good going, Andy. And I'm sitting home like, you, this is what you asked him to do. You just, you begged him. 
desperately to be a dick so she'd leave. And then he was accidentally a dick so she'd leave. And you're like, good going, dickhole. Yeah, but you committed you committed the one cardinal sin of Mayberry, which is hurting anyone's feelings ever for even a second. I guess it's not even hurting people's feelings. It's being confrontational. It's it's having a confrontation. Anyway, Andy does this like almost passive aggressive thing where he's like, "No, it's okay. I'll get a manicure." So he pays for a manicure. It gives her a fucking pity manicure anyway. You know what a fun thing about this episode is? I always when I do our show notes, I always like list what the where the scene location is, and it's just my last have been like Floyd's. Floyd's again. Floyd's. Still Still Floyd's. Outside of Floyd's. Inside of Floyd's. Oh, hey, it's the jail. Back to Floyd's. Like, it's it's not even a fucking bottle episode because they fuck it up with one scene. But it's just like, inside Floyd's, outside Floyd's, inside Floyd's, outside Floyd's. They definitely cut the Floyd's so many times in this. (laughs) they they're so it's not even like they're intentionally trying to do a one location episode they're just so fucking lazy that they forget to write a second location this episode sucks shit so andy andy's getting a manicure and everyone freaks out because here's the thing i the the obvious thing is that everyone's freaking out that a man got a manicure but everyone here talks and in fact one of the dudes says well, no one in Mayberry's ever had a manicure before. So it's not just that a man is getting a manicure. It's that anyone is getting a manicure. So no one in Mayberry has ever had a manicure. That can't be right. Like That cannot be accurate. That, there's no way that that was time period accurate for anywhere. People would, people get manicure. It was the 60s. At the very least, they sold emery boards at the fucking drugstore, right? I mean, dudes, I don't think, started having manicures until fairly recently. But women had manicures all over the place, like, for, like, during that time period. I mean, there was an entire episode about Ellie trying to, like, convince a young woman to buy nail polish. So I got a feeling she knew what a fucking manicure was. Dan, have you ever had a professional manicure? Yes, I have. I've had my nails painted. I I get, I get pedicures pretty regularly. That's really nice. I've never had a professional yeah. one, but I have just had, like, friends. And, you know, I, I own, like tools and like boards and stuff it's really oh, nice dude dude do you want to get a pedicure sometime they rule all right we, yo, can edit it. we can edit this out pedicures are delightful i'm not i'm not editing it out we're sticking with this i'll get a pedicure with you I, it's made to seem like a whole thing it's just you basically like a like a person cuts your toenails if you want they'll do nail polish but also just like you put your feet in some like really nice and basically like a little jacuzzi someone cuts your your toenails and just like basically cleans up your feet it's nice as shit that sounds pretty nice let's do it delightful okay uh Uh, so barney is like walking into the jail and then he runs out a because he's like realized he saw andy in the barber shop and he just freaks out and he's like what are you doing what are you doing are you getting a a manicure and andy gives him an order he's basically like yeah guess what you're getting a manicure too bitch (laughs) yeah like i order you to get a manicure and he's like i this is extremely unacceptable. And he's like, do it, do it because we need to keep this woman here for reasons. For that reason. are, 
that have not been established during the show because she her being here makes you all completely miserable and there has been no shift in in our motivation whatsoever other than she wants to leave now so now we don't want her to leave it's a very badly written episode. This is still Andy Griffith talking, explaining to you, Barney, while you need to sit down. So sit down. Also, I'm using my authority as your boss to get make you get a manicure, which is probably unethical and pretty abusive. I'm, I, honestly, Andy needs to pull this crap. Andy needs to, like, abuse all of his power to get her to stay. Because otherwise, a woman might make a decision of her own free will. And we can't <laughs> fucking have that. Is it like an empowerment thing, but it's just like psychological manipulation? That's every episode of the Andy Griffith show. Andy yeah. goes outside and he's telling everybody about getting the manicures. He's like, oh man, it's real great. And by the way, I cannot tell how genuine Andy's being here because he's always messing with people and doing psychological manipulation. So I cannot tell if Andy actually enjoyed his manicure or if he's just pressuring everybody as part of his weird sick game. Yeah, uh, so he goes outside and he's like, the best thing about it, pretty girl holding your hand, the prettiest perfume. And then Andy just like peer pressures the mayor, just like, like, oh, mayor, what what are you doing? You, 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 you got anything better to do? You're not a man enough to go have a pretty lady hold your hand. And then the mayor is like inside uh, getting a manicure. And then I can't emphasize enough. This is the mayor's last episode. Uh, he does sniff Ellen. Like Joe Biden. Oh, hey, yeah. No, he Bidens pretty hard. Can we make it like a verb? I don't like, We got to try to get this like take off he on Twitter. He Bidens the hell out of this. So B- Biden, uh, verb to sniff a woman non-consensually. Just so weird. He Bidens it up. This is a Biden-ass episode. This is definitely Joe Biden's favorite episode (laughs) of the Andy Griffith Show. Yeah. Joe Biden watches this episode like, nothing wrong with this. And then his (laughs) wife comes in and is like, hey, Joe, are you watching that episode of the Andy Griffith Show again? Like, It's the only one I have on VHS. (laughs) Joe Biden. I enjoy trains. So the mayor sniffs Ellen, and then they do a fucking montage of just dudes getting manicures while just being rock hard. Just, like, just grinding their dicks under the table as she, like, cuts their nails. It's like they're treating getting a manicure as a fucking strip club. Meanwhile, outside, the women are getting upset, and the... The explanation that the show gives is that the wives are upset that there's this pretty girl, like, holding hands and flirting with their their husbands. But I feel like the actual in-universe explanation should be the women just being like, what the hell, I want a manicure and all these dicks are in line. It's it, if, if I was, like, a lady in Mayberry, I would be pretty, like, suspicious of this situation because I would be like, all right, so it doesn't make any sense for her to be at the barbershop giving – the guy barbershop doing manicures. And also, I'm current – I watched, like, four dudes in a row just cream their jeans getting manicures. So – this doesn't look good. Like, I'm watching, like, the mayor in the throes of orgasm while getting his nails clipped. So that doesn't look good. So I would be hurt. I feel like their suspicions are justified. Not, like, necessarily being, like, she's fucking these dudes, but also, like, these dudes are being scumbags. Yeah. More, more yeah. of that. Yeah. But they're mad at her. So 
the next day, uh, we're at the jail. We could have actually done this scene at Floyd still. Uh, and Floyd's complaining because everybody's canceled all of their appointments. Like, yeah. no one's showing up. And why are they canceling their appointments? Because their wives are telling them to, because their wives are jealous. So he asked Andy to help. For some reason, Andy, here's a problem in the town. You're the one sane person here. Fix it for everything, Daddy Andy. It's the, he's not, like, he's stopped being the sheriff, and he just, like, has become, like, the troubleshooter. Like, he's the prob, he's, like, the A-team of the, uh, of the, of this show, but just, like, for mildly uncomfortable situations. He's Harvey Keitel in Pulp Fiction, but for just mild inconveniences. (laughs) (laughs) Alright, but he's, let's just, he does it, like, with the same level of, like, intensity, like, I'm gonna need you to get a bunch of towels, uh, how fast can your car drive? I drive fast. Alright, this is how we're going to tell your son that he's grounded. He, like, rolls in with that same level of intensity of, like, alright, so we're gonna tell your wife that her meatloaf isn't very good. So what I'm going to need, uh... How much weight can you carry? Okay, next thing. How able are you to hop a fence? So the next thing that happens so is Andy they're goes, in the jail. Andy goes into the barbershop to talk to Ellen, and Floyd runs away. And Andy has this really weird discussion where he's just like, Listen, I don't know if you know this, but you're hot. All these women want to fuck you. No, his, no, his, his, no, his exact no, no, phrase, Do not, do not make it normal. Do not put it into normal human language. Fine, I've Say got, the I've words got the actual does. quote in front of me. Nature's been good to you. I mean, real, real, real good. I can't remember when I've seen nature spend as much time on one person. Thank you, ultra reliable Mayberry Wiki, for having that quote listed. I actually have a question. What does the ultra reliable Mayberry Wiki have to say about this episode? Uh, <laughs> what did those dangerous lunatics say? Uh, all right, there's there's one woman said one person said a month ago, "I'm a woman and I'm not a feminist." But when Andy gets through with his manicure, why does Ellen only get change but Floyd gets dollar bills? Question mark. Question mark. Question mark. That and the only the only other interesting one. Uh, somebody says that. Uh, they wish Dick Elliott hadn't died. We feel you. Uh, and then somebody else, Mark two one one. Mark two one one two. He could have done so much other stuff. He never got to wear his shitty hat again. Mark two one one two says, "I swear, Barbara Eden has got to be one of the finest looking females that has ever walked oh the face God. of the earth." That's it. That's the only interesting one. Okay, so the I'm not a feminist one is fucking crazy because it's just like, I'm not a feminist, but why is the woman being paid less than the man? Guess what, bud? Like, like, I'm not a feminist, but why is one number bigger than the other? Like, so fucking stupid. Fuck you, uh, Mayberry Wiki. Come at us. Uh, okay, so... Yeah, so Andy does not just, like, call her hot. He's like, so there's a little thing called eugenics. Yeah, uh, yeah. Like, made- like, just like, hey, you have a real pretty skull shape, young lady. So, listen, the alphas are drawn to you. 
You are of prime breeding stock. You have signals that demonstrate that you could bear many children. Are there pheromones? Are you giving off some pheromones right now? Are you trying to trick me with pheromones, young lady? No, it's not even like... Like, hey, you're hot. Because, like, uh, all right, all right. So he says nature has been good to you. So if he was just, like, you're hot, that could open the possibility of, like, hey, you've, uh, you know, I guess worked out or dieted or just, like, taken good care of yourself. He removes all agency possible from calling her hot. And he's just like, hey, so uh, you, in a passive sense, are hot. You have been made hot by God. And then you've just kind of sat there, enjoying the hotness. Eating saltines in a white room until you had to come onto the show and make everyone horny. <laughs> he found a brave new way of being condescending about calling someone hot. It's like, he managed, I didn't know you could take someone's agency out of saying that they were sexually attractive, but god damn it, the Andy Griffith show found a way. So, Andy says, Nature's been good to you, he says that you're a threat to the married women in this town. I don't remember how she makes the leap in logic to think that he's proposing. Oh, it's cool, she doesn't, she does not. She's just like, that was the sweetest proposal I've ever heard. Which, Jesus, what did Pierre say to you? That's really funny. If, like, maybe Pierre wasn't constantly asking her to marry him, she was just, like, always misreading signals. Maybe Pierre is gay and kept asking her for, like, hey, can you hand me those combs over there? Why are you asking me to marry you? No. Pierre's just like, Mondays, am I right? And she's like, oh, Pierre. Hey, working hard or hardly working? Oh, not in public, Pierre. Just stop. Pierre, Pierre, I... Do not know if I'm going to marry you. <laughs> Enough, Pierre. Gosh. Pierre. Yeah. Just hey, uh, those are some fun knickknacks on your workstation. P- tone it down a little, Pierre. Take it down twenty to twenty-five percent. <laughs> yeah. No, she just like there's no. She doesn't explain. Like there's no. <laughs> she doesn't draw a line between the things Andy says and why she thinks she's marrying him. He's just like. You're hot. And she's like, oh, no. So he does say, like, you're hot. Uh, and the fact that you're unmarried makes women worried. And she's just like, you want to marry me? Uh, it's it's such, it's bad writing. It's very bad writing. She says, no, I can't marry you because I thought about it and I am going to marry Pierre. Pierre, meanwhile, just called and said, hey, are you coming into work? What What's going on? Yeah. <laughs> where are you and she's like i told you i'm figuring out if i want to marry you what what are you talking about i i need time away i'm in the middle of nowhere so she so she did call pierre and pierre's gonna come down and get her uh she's quitting she's leaving she kisses barney goodbye why does she kiss barney why she's just like he's just like walking in and she just kisses him on the cheek and walks out why kiss him and not andy yeah. She's never interacted with him. That's a wrap on Barbara Eden. We will see her again in three years when she will play a man's literal sex slave for five seasons. You people bet your asses we're doing a thing about I Dream of Jeannie. That is a common. Jesus Christ.
And is is there a stinger? Is there a fucking end to this? Oh, oh yeah, yeah. The stinger. This, this is this is the, the the mayor's last scene. Dan, do you want to go ahead and do the mayor's last scene? Yeah, yeah, I got. Um, so Andy and the mayor are walking down the street. Um, and the mayor is upset that he can no longer be horny. Um, little does he know it's because he is about to die. Um. <laughs> Oh god, he'll never be horny again. <laughs> when we die, that's the end of it. There's no afterlife. You can be horny in the afterlife. <laughs> oh, Listen, god. if I can't be horny in heaven, I don't want to go. No, That's a Kenny when... Chesney song. Is what? <laughs> it's not. But... <laughs> that could have easily been. That is one hundred percent a lie. That could have been a lie or a true thing. Um. So he is upset that he can't be horny, and um, he sees a sign of um of the fact that there's a new may uh, there, there's a new matter. You okay? Oh god. There's a new manicurist. There's a new... I got it. I can do it. There's a new manicurist at Floyd's and um, the mayor nuts. Um, and then he goes in and he thinks that he's going to get super horny. And uh, it is, it's Emma. Emma's the new manicurist. And then uh, she just kind of berates him a little bit while doing his nails. And then she does that stupid, really high pitched voice that she does. Uh, for those that are, I guess, listening recently, because she hasn't been on in a while, uh, Emma is an old lady who has the most annoying voice that we've ever heard. Just uh, awful. Just like it sounds like you put a hamster in the garbage disposal. Um, and then uh, the episode is over, and the mayor dies. The mayor is dead after this. This is the end. We're never going to get to come up with fun, playful metaphors for the best character on this show ever again. First we lost Ellie, and now the mayor is gone. All the life is going out of this show, and it's just a bunch of extremely bland old white dudes. Floyd is the most colorful character now. Floyd. The guy who we still can't figure out what his fucking deal is. What are we talking... You want ratings? The show's over. Ratings? Ratings. So Andy meters, I guess the mayor fucking dies in it, so zero. None. All right? Zip. It took him away from me, so none. It did a it did a it did a hate crime at me. Nope, can't call it a hate crime. Uh, that's not. That's, nope, that's... it did a crime at me. I've already edited out the part where I said hate crime. It did a crime at me, so not a fan. Didn't enjoy it. Also poorly written, but more importantly, it it, it stuffed the light out of my life. Um. Barney meter 10 because it took the mayor away from me. You don't need ratings for this. Uh, do the outro. All right. So if you want to follow us on stuff, we are on Twitter. We are at break Mayberry. We now have an Instagram. We are breaking Mayberry. I don't know why <laughs> no, we've had an Instagram. We're just using it now. I don't know why we have it, but follow us. We, rem- we remembered we had an Instagram. <laughs> 
<laughs> so follow us on Instagram, Breaking Mayberry on Instagram, Facebook.com slash Breaking Mayberry. On Twitter, I am at Schneid Remarks. That's S-C-H-N-E-I-D Remarks. Dan is at the Luds with two Ds. I'm just moving forward through this. Uh, <laughs> That's fair to not let me talk anymore. The music you heard before was done by Max Ludwig, who is on Twitter at Sleep Talkie. The music you're about to hear is... Appalachian Coal Mines by the band Mid-Air Machine, also known as Ask Again. They change their name, and sometimes I forget which one is which. That is about it for everything else. We will see you all down at the fishing hole. Good God night. Y'all come back now. <laughs>